Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Dr. D's Dating Diaries. So you are going to hear a lot of anecdotal dating stories that are really hilarious. And I can't make this stuff up, honestly. But what I want to do with these stories is I want it to be a teaching point and a learning point on what we as women do and what men do and how we can actually work together and actually start dating harmoniously and not have these horrific dating stories come up again. So take the time to listen to this. Have a laugh because I swear to you, I cannot make these stories up. But I also want you to take home a learning point and realize that both men and women have to heal themselves first before they can actually be good partners to one another. So, post-narcissistic ex-husband. I did start seeing somebody and it was more platonic because after the emotional abuse that I had experienced with my narcissistic ex, I wasn't ready to have any intimate relationship with anybody. And it was a good relationship. I needed a companion. We went everywhere together. We hung out all over. And it was a nice stepping stone from being with my ex for about five years in total. Unfortunately, I should have seen some red flags. And one of the red flags was I had met him more or less just after I'd been given an offer to come up to Canada. And I know a lot of my friends were like, are you going to tell him that you're going to Canada? And I thought, well, no, not really, because I didn't think this was serious. I mean, I did not think anything was serious at that time. I still had a lot of healing to do from all of the trauma that I had experienced. And so when I did tell this guy that I was leaving and going, moving to Canada, he basically the next day went and got his passport. Now, that should have been a red flag for me, but clearly... Because I've lived with a narcissistic ex, I've had a narcissistic family member in my life, I don't see all these signs early enough. I don't think of it as odd behavior and run in the opposite direction, because that's my normal. And so I came up to Canada, we were fine, he was all nice and lovey-dovey with me, and then he suddenly went off and changed, and then of course he told me that he had bipolar disorder, but subsequently discovered that he wasn't bipolar, he actually was a borderline personality disorder, I know, I track them all the time. And like I was telling a client of mine the other day, when you actually don't give yourself the time to actually heal and recover from all of these things, you are going to attract the same things over and over again. And it's no point actually saying, why do these people come to me? You are giving off some energy that's actually attracting those people to you. So the only person that can change that is yourself. So I took an eight-year hiatus, to be honest, after that. I was concentrating on being up in Canada, getting all my exams, because my plan was to leave Saskatchewan and move across to Vancouver. And so the first time I started dating again was probably in 2015. Now, here's where the trigger warning comes in. I obviously at that time had only ever dated 
an Indian guy or Indian guys. And so there was a guy that I had been chatting to for a couple of weeks, maybe months. And he lived out in Vancouver and I was in Saskatchewan. I was coming up, moving across to, not moving across, but actually visiting because I had lots of friends here and I had full intention to move to Vancouver once I had done all my exams. And so I met up with him and I felt comfortable enough with him because we'd been chatting, we'd been texting and silly me, and I say this and I want you to realize there's no need for anyone to feel pity or say, oh no, you shouldn't have said that. It's because everyone who experiences what I experienced will feel the same way. Silly me trusted he was an Indian guy, that he's probably harmless and that there's nothing to it. And so we met and we hung out and then he had come up to my room, but I didn't think anything of that because we'd already discussed that, but not in a sexual nature. And we were just chatting and that type of stuff. On one hand, he's never been to a fancy hotel in his life, I would assume. So he went straight to the refrigerator and took out the... Uh, room service stuff and started drinking whatever was in there and one thing led to another and this is where the trigger comes people and this is why it's been very difficult for me to actually get the story out but this is part of my healing process and that is why I feel that I have to say it. Um, I actually ended up being sexually assaulted by this guy now, most people would think, oh my God, you know, being date raped by somebody or being raped by somebody is a violent thing. No, that's not usually the case. Most people who have a sexual assault is usually done by somebody they know, done by their spouses. And essentially all it means is that you didn't consent to that. So you could be dating your boyfriend and having sex with him all the time. And if on one occasion you decide, no, I don't want to have sex with you today, and he decides, I still want to have sex with you. That's assault. That's rape. He did it without consent. The same applies to anybody when you say that you want to use a condom and they go ahead and don't use a condom when they're actually having sex with you. That is without your consent and that is also rape. Now, I know this is going to trigger a lot of people and that's not a bad thing because when this happened to me in 2015, I did what most women do in this situation. I clammed up. I didn't tell a single soul. Yeah, I went and got myself tested without telling anybody. It's very easy as a physician to say, I need to go get myself tested for this, tested for that. I went and did my pregnancy test. You can buy a dime a dozen. So did all of those things. But what I felt, this was the first time that I'd actually had any relationship or any intimacy with anybody after my ex-husband. I felt rotten inside. My insides felt like they were burning. I felt miserable and I blamed myself, which is what all victims actually do. But true to form of most victims, because we know nobody's going to believe us, we actually just pull through, push through all of the stuff. We put it in a little closet, in a little drawer, close that up, lock, the key, lock it up and throw the key away. And we don't think about it again. And we keep pushing through. And that is a trauma response. you numbing yourself and that is a true trauma response. And I didn't realize all of that. And I carried on merrily for the next couple of years. I mean, right up until last year when I finally had a breakthrough when I was in 
Chicago with my life coach. And we were talking about completely other things. We we're talking about business. And what happened to me then was I went to the hotel. I was flying out the next day and I watched a movie on Netflix with Mila Kunis, um, The Luckiest Girl Alive. So I thought it was about high school shootouts and that type of stuff and the repercussions of that. No, what it ended up being was that she was gang raped by a couple of people. And that was why that shootout actually occurred thereafter because her friend was protecting her. And that triggered me like you would not believe. After that, I went to the airport the next day and I was in a hypervigilant state. I've never had that. This was true PTSD that I've obviously never experienced because I've managed to be strong, hold it in and just forget about it. And when I had my breakthrough last year, everything came tumbling out. I literally had to go sit in the corner in a little restaurant. I had a glass of Coke The guy who was serving me says, maybe you need a glass of wine because he could tell there was something wrong. I had a glass of wine and I had a second glass of wine to calm my nerves down. I was terrified. I didn't want to pass out. I didn't want to take an anxiety tablet because I was so terrified that I'd fall asleep on on somewhere in the airport and miss my flight. And I really wanted to go home. And I got one of my good friends to go and pick up my pup because all I wanted to do when I got home was to be able to lie there with my puppy. And that's what I did when I came home. I picked him up, I brought him home, and we slept on the sofa. I didn't even get to my room, to the bed, to the bath or anything. I slept with him. I felt so much better just having him right next to me so that I could have his touch. And dogs are very, very intuitive about that. They know when we're hurting and they take all of our energy. They take all of that bad stuff and they just keep it in. It's probably why they don't live as long because they've already done their penance in this world. So that was my hypervigilant state. And when we do further episodes, you will now start to understand because while you might shake your head and think that those stories are funny, I now understand why I went through all of those experiences with my dating life here. It's because I never went through the fact that I had an ex who was a narcissistic personality. I never healed myself properly the way I should have healed because I didn't know any better. When I was assaulted, I just kept quiet and continued and I never took time to process it. So I went straight into survivor mode. And if any of you are brave enough to watch The Luckiest Girl Alive, I would advise you to actually watch that. Yes, it's triggering. It's extremely triggering. But it brings home a lot of points that most sexual assault victims all identify with. And she played that role to the T. It's just little things of how we always play survivor. We never go through that victim stage. I've always hated playing victim, but I ended up playing victim in a lot of other things in my life. And yes, other people may have been at fault for certain things, but I had a role to play in those people behaving like that. And I can now say that without blaming somebody else and saying, oh my God, these people were awful and that type of stuff. And I know a couple weeks ago, I love my reality TV and I'm obsessed with Below Deck at the moment. So I was watching Below Deck Down Under. So it's the yachting stuff. And there was a very triggering episode there because the crew had gone out. They were very, very drunk. And the one girl came back. She went to her room to sleep. 
her chief stew just felt that one of the guys was a little bit odd, so she went, followed this girl back to her room. The lights tripped off or something, and then when the chief stew left, this guy, the creepy guy that the chief stew had a weird feeling about, went into the drunk girl's room, butt naked, and crawled into bed with her. And if the technical staff had not actually pulled him out of there, something would have happened, and that poor girl would not have even known if she was raped or not. Now, these are stories that, yes, are going to trigger you, but every one of us, most of the time, has actually experienced some form of assault without realizing it. A boyfriend who has sex with you when you've said no, that is not consent, it's not consensual, and that's rape. A husband who does that to his wife is the same thing. A person who you've not known at all who does that is the same thing. If you are drunk and somebody takes advantage of you, it doesn't matter if you are drunk. It doesn't matter if you are high or drugged up. That is without your consent and that is rape. And it's about time that women actually start accepting that. Now, it's not about accepting it, but it's being willing to say, hey, you know what, that's not accepted accepted in my books. I'm setting a boundary and that is against what I want. And if they do not allow you to do what you need to do and keep your boundaries, then you need to call them out on it. Nothing pisses off a guy more than when you actually call them out on it and say that's sexual assault. They get very, very upset. Now, my assault case didn't really finish at that. I tried to forget about it. But that guy harassed me for the next year. He found me on every dating site. He kept changing his profile, kept changing his pictures and all the time. I kept ignoring him. I kept ignoring him. I kept pretending that I didn't know who that was. I didn't even respond. And then one day I actually responded because he's like, oh, I think I met you here. And I said, yes, I did. And you were not memorable at all. That's all I said. And then, of course, unfortunately, that was the wrong thing to do because men, I'm sorry, guys, these are the so-called nice men that you guys all talk about. You're a bunch of incels who basically couldn't get a woman unless you actually drug them or rape them. It's as simple as that. And no, this is not anger. This is the honest truth. Sort out your lives before you go and ruin somebody else's life. Do not blame women for them actually not wanting to have sex with you. Look at yourself. Stop being so creepy. With this guy, when I actually said, yeah, you know what? I don't really remember you, but I think we did meet. He went on to say, oh, yeah, you know what? That wasn't me. I wasn't actually there. I lied about it. And so you know what I did? Because what he wants is he wants to continue with this conversation because that's what men want to do. They want to rile you up. They want to continue the conversation because they just want attention. And, as, and women might do the same thing. It seems to be more prevalent with men. So I'm not just bashing men, but just know that it does seem to be more prevalent with men. And unfortunately, with rape statistic, there are more women that are actually raped. There are more women that have violence done towards them from men not the other way around. So stats don't lie. And there's tons of men who say, oh, I was raped in this. You know what? I'm not denying that. But statistically wise, the majority of people that are actually harmed by men are usually women. And that is a fact. So 
back to my down under story, the nice thing about that is we live in 2023. People are much more open now. The mere fact that the cameramen saw what was happening and they pulled that guy out forcefully is retribution. The reason why a lot of us women like watching those psychotic movies in the middle of the night or we sleep easy when we watch all these serial killer things is because they get caught. Why people like watching Special Victims Unit is because people actually get caught. And if you've actually had something like this happen to you and you feel that you can't actually have your retribution and have your revenge, watching those movies actually helps. Doing a podcast like this actually helps. Journaling actually helps. But don't ever do what I did, which was keep it buried inside for such a long time. And don't get me wrong. Your friends and family may not be able to cope with you telling them this because they also haven't come through a healing journey and they don't know how to deal with you. And that's not their fault. So find other ways. Seeing a therapist is awesome, but a therapist doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to help you heal. The only way you heal is by healing yourself. And so, yes, I've got tons more dating stories because just like any other sexually assaulted victim, I went through the hypervigilance, the hypersexualization. Everybody thinks that, oh, my God, there's something wrong with you. No, that's just your response to a trauma that happened. And that's perfectly normal. And I don't want any one of you to ever judge yourself and say, oh my goodness, I was so terrible. We will sometimes feel that about ourselves. But when you get to the other side of your healing, you'll actually realize you had to go through that. It's crappy that those things happen to us, but it's time for us to all take a stand. And if you ever see something like that happening with your friends, with your family members, with a perfect stranger, please don't be that bystander. Don't let something like that happen to anybody else. Help that person. Help them understand. Make them realize that they're not alone. While I'm a strong personality and I've managed to cope with this without any problems, and I don't think it's going to leave that much of a scar, I can tell you something. I've had several friends and it's devastated them completely. And that's something that we as a community, we as a whole world population needs to actually rectify. No longer should we be subjected to being objectified by men because the patriarchy has said that that's our only use. That is not our only use. We are proving time and time again that we are no longer the weaker sex. So ladies, when I listen, when you listen to this podcast episode, do not feel pity. I want you to actually feel empowered. I want you to look deep into your soul and look at any incidents where you think that somebody did something to you without your consent. That is a violation of your boundaries and don't let that happen ever again. So that is it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the stories. But I also hope that you learned something. Be safe out there, guys, and see you next week.